I was just taking comfort in this psalm this morning, this uh, Psalm 103. I was going to share verses 1 through 5 with you guys. And if you've had a, a long, busy week yourself, then I just invite you to sit in the comfort and rest of this psalm this morning. This psalm says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I think the message says it some way like, when I'm in his presence, I am young. <laughs> and so as I was coming home yesterday from VBS and just plopped on the couch and I was just like, oh, I'm so exhausted. And, and my kids were like, well, we ran harder than you did and we're not tired. And I felt so much judgment from that. And I was like, well, I'm also not, I'm a little older than you, so it hits me different, okay? <laughs> and so I really just felt like uh, I received that well, that the Lord renews my soul. He, I am renewed like the eagle's wings, and, and my youth is renewed, and I just, I need my youth renewed this morning. And so if you do as well, I just want to invite you to take a deep breath. Rest in the presence of our Lord and Savior Worship him with all of yourself, and he will renew you, and he will restore and fill your soul this morning. All right, let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you, Lord, that we are able to gather in this place this morning. We have so much to celebrate today, Lord. What a beautiful week it's been. What a beautiful weekend it's been, God, and we are just rejoicing and grateful at the wonderful things that took place here this weekend at VBS. Lord, we just invite you into this space. Continue speaking to us. We ask you, Lord, to renew us this morning. God, we, we recognize that we have an overwhelming need for more of you. So, Lord, meet us here. Fill us with yourself. Pour yourself out. We receive that this morning, Lord. Meet us in a new way. God, we love you and we worship you together and we praise your holy name together this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Those of you who are here a few minutes early, you got to get a listen in on some of our new songs that we're doing today, just one. Um, so I expect to hear your voices loud and clear. Go ahead and stand with us as we worship this morning. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We 
this next one's a new one. You probably, a lot of you heard it on the radio before. It is Defender.
Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you guys for introducing that to us. One thing that stood out to me during uh, Good, Good Father, you know, you can hear a song so many times, and there are times when a new, or a, a line just hits you in a new way. And, and all I was thinking about was when, it, when we say, it's who I am. I don't know about you, but I think, when I think about who I am, it's not impressive. I let myself down. It's not about me or what I've done because all I am is loved. All I am is loved by my good, good father. I am loved because he is good. It's who he is. He is good. And if you're struggling to see that goodness today, I just want to encourage you to open up your heart. Be willing to just be loved. You don't have to be anything else. Does that comfort you this morning to know that you don't have to be anything else? Just be loved. Be loved by your good, good father. I hope you know how loved you are by him this morning. And if you've forgotten, God, I pray that, that you would overwhelm us with the reminder of how loved we are. Because you're loved. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the ways that your goodness and your mercy and your love meet us in new and fresh ways. We serve a living, active God. I can testify, I can stand here with all that I am and say and declare boldly that I serve a living God because he breathes new life into my soul when I least expect it, when I'm tired and weary and just going through the motions, God, you meet me with a fresh wave of your love and mercy. God, I pray that you never stop surprising me with your love. Never stop surprising us with your love. Bring us to our knees. Overwhelm us, God. Remind us of the love you have for us, not because of what we've done, not because of what we didn't do, not because of who we are or who we aren't, not because of what our background is and how we were brought up, but because we are yours and you call us loved. You came and found us when we were lost. You left the glory of heaven to come and dwell among us to seek and find those who were lost and broken and hurting and unloved, thinking we would forever be unlovable. We are loved by our good, good Father. And we just thank you for that reminder this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to move 
in the hearts of, of all of us and those that need to be reminded of just how much you love us. Continue to speak a new and fresh word over us today. Continue to overwhelm us, Holy Spirit, with your love. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We have a video to share with you guys this morning.
Wow. Thank you, Stu, for that beautiful video. Stu created that for us yesterday. Um, Man, I'm a little overwhelmed just by how wonderful VBS was and just how much everyone showed up. I hate to do this to you guys, but if you helped with VBS in any way, even if you didn't come here physically, but you helped in any way, would you please stand up so that we can say thank you? Stand up. Say I'm Booth, guys. There's many that are not here. Thank you. Nikki Whitney, thank you so much. She did a fantastic job. She organized all of our volunteers, communicated excellently with all of us, and just kept us on the track that we needed to be on. And I'm very grateful. Um, It was just an incredible thing that I could shoulder that burden with someone. (laughs) And, And she was just a phenomenal person to share that with. So thank you all so much. We had a wonderful time. And um, I'm, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss of words. It's just been a great weekend. We had a great time. 20, 23 kids was the, the, the highest number of kids. 22 one night, 23 another night. But uh, that was a great turnout. It was kind of just perfect for what we were ready and equipped to manage. And the most precious kids ever. I mean, it was a special group of kids. And we made some great connections with their families, and I'm just grateful. It was a great weekend, and I just wanted to share that with you, and we wanted to share that video so you could have a little snapshot into our weekend. All right, friends, we are still in the neighboring series. We're actually nearing, we're getting close to the end, though. We've only got a few more weeks left of this series Um, Pastor Dwight is actually going to be sharing with us next week. Our family will be gone, so um, be prepared for that. I'm excited to tune in and listen to what he has to say, but um, after that, we might have like one or two more weeks of the series. So we are are nearing the end here. Uh, Today we're going to be in John chapter 6, which we'll get to in just a little bit, but if you want to go ahead and prepare. Um, Something I was thinking about this week is that we live in a culture, generally speaking, you know that I'm always kind of speaking generally, that doesn't mean everyone, uh, but generally speaking, we live in a culture that seems to be pretty fascinated with things like celebrities and and Hollywood and the talent that, that comes from that industry, and even more so because Hollywood has the ability to produce these amazing movies that that really captivate our attention and really get us excited and and we're riveted by these movies about extraordinary people doing extraordinary things, things that we could never do, impossible things. I'm talking like superhero type things. We're kind of captivated with those movies. Some of us, it started out with the comics. We want to recognize that crowd, that it started out with the comics. You were captivated by the comics and, and what these characters could do and you just imagined it and you're like oh that's amazing and then now we have the ability to watch these movies that just paint this incredible picture for us and we are captivated by that and to kind of illustrate the point I'm trying to make I hope you're okay with kind of watching some some movie this morning uh, because I want to share with you two clips from two movies that came out in 2019 
Um, one is going to be from the Avengers Endgame movie that came out, and one is going to be from It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And then I'll kind of share with you where I'm going with that after we watch those clips. years ago I fought my way out of that cave became Iron Man realized I loved you I know I said no more surprises but I was really hoping to pull off one last one the world has changed none of us can go back is our best and sometimes the best that we can do is to start over I saw all these people die I keep telling everybody they should move on some do, but not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. 
this one. <laughs> All right, where are we going with this? That was not, I don't understand. What do these things have in common? Because I don't see much. So the point that I, I want to share with you is that these are two movies that came out in 2019. What I want to share with you now is how much these movies raked in at the box office, okay? So, Avengers Endgame came in at two and a half billion dollars at the box office. Compared to Mr. Rogers, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood at coming in at 61.7 million. To me, that tells us just a little bit. It doesn't mean that this one wasn't good because I'm just going to tell you, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to watch it. This is a great movie. But it doesn't tell us that this is not a good movie or even a great movie, but what it tells us is kind of what we're the most fascinated with, right? We're the most fascinated with the superheroes, the ones that can just swoop in and save the day and rescue the whole world or whatever those movies are about, because I can't even tell you that I honestly know other than these are superheroes, and we'll give Mr. Rogers a break because we know that he was an incredible person. He lived an incredible life, and in many ways, he is still teaching us, right? But it seems to me that the world is far more drawn to and appealed by the superheroes than the guy who meets strangers and becomes their friend and who lets people, broken, messy people, know just how loved and special they are. The point this morning is that overall, our culture probably craves more of that superhero impact. Because I don't know about you, but when I watch that clip, I'm like, yes, go get them. Yes, they're going to save the world. And it looks really exciting. And it's very captivating. Our culture craves this superhero impact, apparently, at the box office, and we, more so than stories about people like you and I going to work, coming home, eating with our families five days a week, at the least, right? Inviting our neighbors over sometimes to share a meal with us, learning their names, pausing in the street to learn their stories. That seems to be a lot less exciting and enamoring. Movies as you know, tend to tell us a lot about our culture and what we value and what's exciting and important to us. And oftentimes, not on that list of things is things like time, consistency, rootedness, patience, mustard seeds, loaves, and fishes. So stand with me this morning as we read this passage from John chapter 6 where Jesus doesn't use anything super exciting or thrilling, 
but he's going to use a few ordinary, seemingly unimportant things like loaves and fishes. You know this story, but, but follow along as I read. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One reason I really like this story is because it makes me feel better when something comes up that I didn't anticipate and I don't have a plan for how to handle it. That happens quite a bit, actually, where something comes up that I didn't anticipate, and I'm just kind of like, cool, I have no idea how I'm going to handle this or what I'm going to do with this. I'm very ill-prepared, and I, I don't have a plan. I really relate to this story because, you see, when thousands of people come out of nowhere or come unexpectedly, The disciples have no plan. They weren't planning on these people showing up. And by the way, you read that there were 5,000 men there. You've probably heard this so many times, but, you know, that doesn't count the women and children. And just to remind you, to refresh your memory, scholars estimate that there were anywhere between 10, but probably more more likely to 20,000 people there, somewhere in that range. So there's thousands of people that just show up when Jesus and his disciples were just quite frankly trying to get away, have a much-needed break, get some rest, and here are all these people, and, and find Jesus, speak to them, heal them, encourage them, preach to them, share with them. We got no plans for dinner, so, you know, wrap it up quickly. But here they are. It's getting late. It's dinner time. Tumblies are rump, tummies are rumbling, and there's no plan for dinner. And I just love the picture of the disciples looking around, like freaking out. And Jesus, who is somewhat humored because he knows what he's going to do, he has a plan. But the disciples are kind of scrambling, looking at Jesus, like, what? What, what are we supposed to do here? I don't understand. This is not adding up in my mind. Uh, there's ten to 20,000 people here. There's no food. 
There's no town or village nearby. And even if there was, we couldn't even afford to get enough food to feed all these people. Is it a little bit kind of absurd to imagine that, that, that it was necessary to feed all these people? I just wonder about that. Like, was that really necessary to feed all these people? And yet we're reminded again and again that that is who Jesus is. And that is what Jesus does. He, he leaves us scratching our heads like, was that really necessary? He already spiritually fed them. Wasn't that enough? Isn't that what we're taught to, to be spiritually fed by Jesus? But that's not the Jesus we know. He says, I'm not going to send them away physically hungry. So he's, he's going to feed them because he's gripped with compassion for them, Scripture tells us. I love reading that. He's gripped and overwhelmed with compassion, and there's no way he's going to send these people away hungry after he's just fed their souls. And I love Philip's response because it's all of us. I don't care who you are. It's all of us. Philip's response is all of us when he's like, Jesus, you can't be serious. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at what we have, and it's a whole lot of nothing. I don't know what you're going to do about this, Jesus. I don't see a way that this is possible, Jesus. And, and I also wonder if Philip was thinking things like, by the way, we came here to get rest, Jesus. We're exhausted, Jesus. You can't keep making us do this, Jesus. You're tired, Jesus. You're physically tired. You should just send them home so we can rest, which is what we came here to do. But Jesus is determined to feed these people. And I even love Mark and Luke's account where Jesus says, hey, disciples, you give them something to eat. Kind of turns around and points it to them and invites them to the, you give them something to eat. And then here comes the most unexpected thing. The most unexpected person. Here comes in the scene this little boy, this small boy. We don't know who he is. We don't know where he's from. Scripture doesn't consider him important enough to even give him a name. I'm just kidding. I know he's important, but he, he's not so important that we get his name. It's just a small, random child that's either approached Andrew or Andrew has discovered him, and he's got this lunch. And it's a measly little lunch compared to all these people. It's not much. In fact, it's downright laughable. Think about it. It's laughable that this little boy or that Andrew would take seriously the offer of this little boy to give up his lunch to feed 20,000 people. In the eyes of the disciples and the others standing by, that's laughable. Oh, but how humbled I am when I'm reminded of moments where when my kids were a little bit smaller than they are now, and they would hear Bo and I talking about a big expense we had to pay, you know, something coming up, and we're just kind of talking about what that's going to look like to pay for that. And your kid, you, they go in the room, and they come back out with a crumpled up dollar bill, and they're like, here, you can have this. Has that ever happened to any of you guys? Have your kids ever done that, where they just bring out this crumpled up dollar bill, and they're like, you can have this. I'll give it to you. And you're just like, oh, that's not going to do anything, but it's just so precious. Okay, fine, I'll take it. And then you go put it back later. You sneak back in there and you put it back. You just don't have it in your heart to say no. And I just picture the pure 
holy innocence of this child that just comes with what he's got. And he probably knows it's not enough, but he's like, here, you can have it. And Jesus doesn't have it in him to turn him down. So, of course, he, he receives. It's just too good for Jesus to pass up. And then Jesus does what Jesus does next. In the eyes of most, again, I said this looks laughable. But Jesus takes what in the eyes of most looks laughable, and he miraculously multiplies it. Jesus takes what in the eyes of most looks impossible, and he miraculously multiplies it. Jesus takes what in the eyes of most at this, gathered here in the eyes of most, what looks meaningless, and he miraculously multiplies it. Jesus takes what in the eyes of most looks pitiful, and he miraculously multiplies it. Jesus takes in this moment what in the eyes of most looks like too little to make a difference, and he miraculously multiplies it. Jesus takes what in the eyes of most looks like it's going to fall short, it's not going to be enough, and he miraculously multiplies it. Listen, when the disciples were beginning to figure out What they were going to do for all these people for dinner, it didn't take them long to realize they didn't have what it takes. They did not have what it takes. And they're suddenly standing there with this realization of, oh, wow, I don't, we don't have the resources to feed these people. But Jesus does. Friends, when we start to take the great commandment seriously, to love our neighbor as ourself, you are going to quickly realize you don't have what it takes. What you have will fall short in your eyes. What you have to offer will not be enough in your eyes. But that's when Jesus takes what in the eyes of most looks laughable and he miraculously multiplies it. That's when Jesus takes what in the eyes of most looks impossible and he miraculously multiplies it. That's when Jesus takes what in the eyes of most are just meaningless conversations with your neighbors and he miraculously multiplies the results. That's when Jesus takes what in the eyes of most looks pitiful, too little to make a difference, going to fall short, and he miraculously multiplies it. See, when you faithfully give what you have, even when you don't think it's much, even when it doesn't seem like it's going to be enough, Jesus will give you more to give. In fact, we ought to remember that it's not even as much about what we have to give, but it's what God does with that. It's what God does with what we give. Jeff Bassett, who's a... He's a pastor, commentator, and much smarter than I am. He says it like this. He says, the miracle is not the bread and fish, but the feeding. It is that unworthy disciples were included in the spirit work of feeding a crowd that goes from a hectic and consumeristic mob to a people called out by God and following their true Lord. What was ludicrously inadequate to begin with is now ample, and there's an abundance left over. Church, 
the small things you do, they matter. They matter. Your time that you give to those around you, though it seems like it's never enough because there's never enough time, it matters. Your patience with your neighbor that just wants to talk your ear off at the end of a long day and all you can think about is, I just want to get in my house. I'm exhausted. I just Your patience with your neighbor in that moment matters. Your faithfulness in showing up day after day, it matters. Your efforts in knowing your neighbor's names, even though it's hard for you, even though you have to do this number. Oh, hey, John. Your efforts in knowing their names, even when it's hard, it matters. Even when it feels like what you do, how long you've been doing it, it's not enough. I want you to know that it matters. Because when Jesus is in it, when he's ahead of it, when he's behind it, when he's in the middle of it, he takes what you have and he multiplies it. And I'm not trying to paint a Marvel movie picture for you this morning. Because I'm just going to tell you that when you commit to the intentionality and faithfulness of loving your neighbor as yourself, as we are told to do, you're likely not going to see any superhero life-changing results overnight. And it's likely that you're not going to feel like a superhero. You're going to be so, let alone being able to pick up something like Thor's hammer, you're just so exhausted at the end of the day that you can't even lift a finger because that's the pace in which we live. We're so exhausted, it's not going to feel anything like a superhero. You're going to be exhausted. It's not glamorous. It's not going to feel life-changing. But just because it's not what brings in the big bucks at the box office doesn't mean it doesn't matter. This thing that you and I are doing, this kingdom living, it's countercultural. And to the world, it looks meaningless and unimportant and like it's not going to be enough or that it's not going to matter. But it does. When you faithfully give what you have, in the efforts to love your neighbor as yourself, whoever that person is. Even when you don't think it's much, Jesus will give you more to give. He'll give you more time, more patience, more resources, more opportunities, more compassion, and he'll do it again and again and again. You'll go to bed at night, because I've done this, and I'll go to bed at night and I'll say, I can't do this anymore, Jesus. I'm just letting you know. I'm probably going to write a letter of resignation tomorrow. I'm just kidding. But of ministry, of ministry. I can't do this anymore. I- I'm tired. It's not working. I've had- I can't do this anymore. And somehow overnight, I wake up in the morning and I feel completely different. <laughs> because overnight, Jesus has met me in that. And he's, he's multiplied what he's already given me. He gives you more. See, neighboring, which is what we're talking about, in case, in case you've missed it, giving simply what we can, when we can, over a long period of time can feel really insignificant. And don't get me wrong, there will be times when God does something really big, really quickly, really life-changing in a way that you can see, and you might see the results really quickly. There will be those times, for sure, and we celebrate that. 
But for the most part, it's going to be a lot of faithfully showing up, faithfully being present, faithfully being intentional, and trusting that God is doing something holy and significant, and it matters. What doesn't seem like very much, barley loaves, fish, a conversation with your neighbor in the driveway, helping a neighbor move, listening to their 30-minute story that you may have already heard several times, giving someone a ride, sharing a meal with someone. These things don't seem like much. And yet God continues to multiply and work in ways that we cannot see. And a lot of this kingdom work that you and I are called to is less about looking for the big flashy moments, which are great. We love those moments. But it's instead being willing to continue to do the faithful work of rootedness and the faithful work in showing up for others, even when the world might say, I just don't understand why you do that. I don't understand why you do that. I'm not sure who you relate most to in this story that we read. You might recall the story in your head really quickly. Who do you relate to most in this story? Maybe it's Philip. Maybe we're all just a bunch of Philips, and that's okay. Maybe we're, we're wondering how in the world Jesus is going to come through. We're, we're looking at the situation ahead of us, in front of us, and we're, we're scratching our heads like, Jesus, I don't see what you're doing here. I'm not going to lie. I don't see it. I don't know where you're going with this. I don't know what you're doing with this, but I don't see it. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you're unsure how this is going to work out. And for the Phillips in the room, the challenge is to be willing to trust in what you cannot see. Trust that God is working and doing something even when you can't see it. Maybe this morning you relate to the little boy, to the child in the story. Maybe you're looking down at what you have and you're acknowledging how insignificant it is. You're looking down at what you have and you're like, it's not very much, but you can have it. You can have it, Lord. In fact, I'll just say that once again, my sermon has collided with events of the week, unplanned. And I was thinking about VBS and all those kids in the room that were at VBS. And I was just thinking about how our efforts were to simply teach them how much God loves them and their call to love God and love neighbor. That's all we wanted to do. And I was preparing for this sermon and I was just thinking, and you know what? God is going to do amazing things in the lives of these children. And he's going to show up in miraculous ways. And we may not see it, we may not hear about it, but he's going to do it. He's going to work through them because I read a story where he does. He's going to work through our, these boys and these girls who just love God and want to serve their neighbor. And it's going to be in the mundane, ordinary ways that we may not see or celebrate. But God is going to do it. I was also reminded of God's faithfulness in, in, in blessing the little that I had to offer. Last summer when we went back to in-person worship at our previous church, um, like most churches, I had no children's church leaders 
and I had two kids, and they came from my house. And that was it. Every Sunday when we came back in person, it was just my kids. I had no one to teach them, no one to, to sit with them for obvious reasons. And I would make them sit in the sermon on Sunday morning sometimes, but it just felt kind of wrong because it's like my kids hear me talk all the time and I'm preaching at them all the time. So it just feels like child abuse to make them sit in here and listen to it another week. And so finally, I just felt so guilty. I was like, oh, I've got to do something for them, but I've got nothing. And so finally, I decided to pre-download a video on my, on my computer, and, and I would have them go out of the sanctuary after worship and go set this computer up in the room next to the sanctuary, and they would watch this video. It was a fantastically produced video of a children's church that's much larger than mine, and they could give a great lesson. And so I thought, all right, there it is. It's not much. In fact, most Sundays I felt really guilty and frustrated that that's all I had to offer my children. It's really defeating sometimes because you can see what little you have and you can feel frustrated by it. Then one Sunday, we were going to lunch, the four of us, and we get to the restaurant and we're getting our stuff together to get out. And Nora and Joan are acting kind of strange. And I'm just like, what's going on? And, and then I start to like, oh, what, did, what happened? What happened? You were in a room unaccompanied by any adults. What happened? Just tell me. Rip the band-aid off. Just tell me what you did. Just tell me what happened. And she's like, well, Jonah doesn't want it. Nora said, Jonah doesn't want to say it, so I'll just say it. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, well, at the end of our video today, like they do every week, they they ask for, for anyone who hasn't asked Jesus into their heart if they want to do that. And we've been talking to Jonah about this. You know, you kind of mention it from time to time, but you don't want to push him. And we would say, are you ready to do that? And he would say, no. And we would say, okay, that's fine. But for whatever reason, the Lord showed up in that moment. And Jonah told his sister, he said, I do want to ask Jesus into my heart. And so his big sister led him in that prayer at the end of a video when there was no one else in the room and I just sat there and I was a mess and I just was in awe of God's faithfulness and what I had was meaningless and it was frustrating and it was painful and that moment gave me what I needed to keep going because God reminded me you can do whatever you want but I'm going to show up when and how I want. So maybe this morning you just need to remind yourself, here's what I have, Lord. Will you bless it? Finally, maybe you're here today and you don't identify with either one of those. Maybe you identify with the hungry crowd. Maybe you find yourself in, in this place where you're surrounded by 20,000 people and there's Jesus way over there. But I feel totally invisible. I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. I don't feel loved. And yet here's Jesus who's ready to fill not only your soul, but your stomach too. And he's overwhelmed with compassion for you. Take comfort in the fact that you are in the company of others this morning who are like lost sheep 
but we've been found and we've been seen by Jesus and we are journeying together as we try to love and look like him. And if you're the crowd this morning, you need to know that he loves you. As I shared earlier, apparently I got ahead of myself earlier in sharing that, but he wants to pull you in closely and he wants to fill you this morning. I was supposed to ask the praise team to come up, but I got distracted by my story. (laughs) So who is it that you relate to this morning? Maybe it's Philip, maybe it's the little boy, maybe it's the hungry crowd. Wherever you are, whatever phase of life you're in, whatever situation you're in, I just want to remind you that Jesus takes what you have, what you can give, and he miraculously multiplies it. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this reminder, this timely reminder of not only how much you love us, but how you are a God of abundance. And you faithfully give of yourself time and time again. And I love the brilliance behind this call to to literally live our lives outward, to literally live, live our lives with our arms stretched wide open, ready to love anyone and everyone. And we haven't quite paused long enough to figure out just how impossible that is, just how exhausting that is, just how overwhelming that is. Because we're reminded that you promised that you would continue to show up for us, give us what we need, help us to keep going and to keep living out this call that you have given us. The greatest call that you could give us. And so God, forgive us when we don't take you at your word. Forgive us when we forget that you are a God of abundance who is always ready to show up and amaze us with just how gracious and generous you are. Forgive us, Lord, when we selfishly want to feed ourselves and and, and only utilize our energy for ourselves and our families, and we forget to spend it on those around us, knowing that you will give us more to give. Lord, would you just help us to simply show up and say, here's what I have, God. It's not much. It's a meaningless amount, but you can have it. Will you bless it? Continue to speak to us this morning, Lord Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing this last song with us?
you to be seated and I just want to give anyone the opportunity if they didn't receive communion could we get that for them if anyone hasn't could you lift up your hand if you haven't received any elements okay I've got two kids over here that walked in late this morning and they need communion <laughs> just kidding <laughs> oh Greg's not here Greg Parcell Larry could you thank you Larry thank you Uh, as I was thinking about communion, 
I couldn't help but notice the ways in which this story, I think we had two kiddos over there, Nora and Jonah. Anybody else? Oh, up here, Larry, if you could serve our praise team, that would be awesome. I couldn't help but think about the fact that there are several correlations between this story that we read and, and the beauty of, of the Eucharist, of communion, the Lord's Supper. You remember from the story, there were 12 baskets of broken bread that were left. And those baskets of broken bread would be held by those who would go and continue God's work and who would be the church. And those baskets of leftover bread would be held by those who would go to serve the church and then continue to break bread in the sacrament of the Eucharist with Christians forever and ever. And here are you and I, results of that. Not to mention, you, you have to notice the, the, the miracle, the beauty of the fact that this miracle takes place in a literal food desert. No food to be found. And this miracle takes place in that setting. And life can feel like that a lot of times, where we're in this barren desert and there's nothing in sight that can fill us or feed us. And even though this is just a sorry excuse for a wafer, and even though this is just some juice, when we come together to the table that all are invited and welcome to, when we come together and when we gather at this table, we are saying that we don't have enough, we don't have what it takes. Lord Jesus, fill us with more of you so that we can go and pour ourselves out again. That's what we're doing. And in the mystery of communion, Jesus does. He does. He shows up. And he gives the church more of what she needs to go out into the world to be the church that the world needs. So the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took some bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Think about the story. Jesus took barley loaves. He blessed it. And he broke it. And he passed it out. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord God, we pray that you would bless these elements, bless this holy, sacred moment and continue to renew our strength and fill us with more of you so that we can be poured out for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, this is the body of our Lord that was broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful this morning. This cup represents the blood of our Lord Jesus that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you take, drink, and be thankful this morning? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that the moment after 
Jesus does something amazing like feed 5,000, 20,000 people. Storms would come. And the disciples would be worried once again. But you would show up in the midst of the storm and you would calm the waves and the wind. And you will continue to do that for us. May no one leave this place hungry, Lord. May we know that we were lost and now we are found by the Lord Jesus who had compassion for us and he filled us so that we can go and pour ourselves out for others. Thank you, God, for this body of believers. Continue to do your work through us. And may we be faithful in rootedness and time and consistency and patience as we wait for your kingdom to come and be fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, before we dismiss you this morning, I uh, just want to share some announcements with you. Um, we are going to be kicking off life groups again this fall. Some of our life groups have been meeting over the summer, but, but we are, are wanting to kind of relaunch our life group ministry, adding some more life groups kind of to the, the, the ones that are already currently meeting, uh, because we want everyone in the church to find a group of people that they can do life with. And we, that's kind of our short way of saying these are the people that, that we break bread with. Uh, we all want to break bread together at times, but these are, these are my people that I break bread with and I share with. I share the things going on in my life with them, and we pray for each other, and we talk about what it looks like to be the church in this day. And so life groups are, are in my opinion, very important, very essential. And we want everyone to have the opportunity to be a part of one. So as we prepare to relaunch all life groups, what I want from you is this. If you are interested in hosting a life group, meaning you're willing to open up your house, you don't want to be the leader, but you're willing to open up your house. If you're wanting to host a life group, there's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. Would you sign your name under, I would like to host? If you're willing to lead a life group, facilitate the discussion. We don't want any preaching, no preaching in the life groups. We want everyone to share and, and dialogue together, and so you're kind of a facilitator of sorts. If you're willing to lead the life group, then would you indicate that on the sign-up sheet? And if you are just wanting to join a life group, then you, there's a space for you too where you just say, at this point in life, I just want to be able to join a life group. And so let us know, and that will help us begin to put groups together that are not currently together, and then we will let you know what is available in just a few weeks, okay? Um, the Restore Network has reached out to us this week to all their partner churches. They are having a big back-to-school bash next Saturday, which is what we were raising, you know, we were gathering school supplies on Amazon for that, right? You remember? Well, their back-to-school bash is next Saturday, and they are very, very short on volunteers. Um, I think they had just a handful, and they need like 40. And so this is a cry for help for the partner churches. If you are available for just a few hours next Saturday uh, to, to volunteer for that, we would like to know, and there's a sign-up sheet out there for that, and we'll get you connected, and there's a link that you can find on our Facebook page for that, but uh, just know that they are really needing some help with that. They want to make it really great for the kids. So if you can do that, please sign up for that. Um, Saturday morning men's breakfast, they are back. All the men, are you excited? <laughs> yeah, okay. August 21st at 8 a.m. 
I just needed to kind of guide you in that because you're not a very excited group, you know, your gender, I guess. You're not a very excited group gender normally, so just thought I'd get you going on that. So next, or August 21st, that's not next Saturday, at 8 a.m., um, I think that'll be a great time for you guys, so mark that on your calendars. And then um, Lunch Bunch, that's men and women. Uh, for those of you that normally attended those, those will be resuming August 25th. And Pete is still working on a location for that, um, but the time is at noon, so just mark your calendars for that. Those of you who were a part of that group and are available to, to attend those, okay? So just, there's a lot going on, there's a lot coming up, so just get ready for it. Lots of ways for you to get plugged in and, and share life with people. And I think Mike Peters has something to say now, so I'm going to let him come up here. Brace yourselves, because you never know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> It on the bottom. Let me see if it's on. Nope. It might be dead. We used it a lot this weekend. There it goes. You just have to hold it. You gotta be patient. Good morning, everyone. And uh, as many of you know, uh, when our pastoral family has a birthday, we like to honor that. And so I, if I could have Mr. Cotton come join me on this side of the platform for a moment, uh, he is getting old. that were buried in three feet of concrete. Uh, so if you thought the kids got wet on Friday night, uh, it was actually Bo getting wet trying to dig those things out of the ground. So a lot of things that he does behind the scenes uh, that we certainly appreciate uh, him personally. And uh, we hear you're going somewhere tropical this week. So uh, please maybe use this on yourself. Maybe, you know, jet ski, parasailing, uh, something like that. And not gas in the car uh, because it probably won't get you past Nashville. <laughs> Just to be really clear, he's two years older than me, just in case you're wondering. He's getting older, two years older than me. All right, well, that concludes everything for this morning. So, brothers and sisters, I invite you to stand, receive this benediction as you go. May you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Give what you have, and he'll give you more. Go in his peace. You are dismissed. <laughs>